I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk, where we take a unique view of world events. We report news as history. With me today is the editor of StrategyPage.com and well-known military author, Jim Dunnigan. Associate editor and syndicated columnist, Austin Bay, also joins us. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Thought it was time to uh, revisit Turkey and talk about Erdogan and everything that's been going on there. Austin, you are more or less are our Turkey expert. Uh, could you tell us what uh, the current situation is and uh, how Turkey is doing as far as the Syrian civil war and ISIS? And what, I mean, there's just a lot of things there that involve Turkey. Uh, give us an overview. All right. Just a little uh, history on this. One of the uh, in one of the early editions of uh, A Quick and Dirty Guide to War, we had a, a, a chapter, no, it was, I think it was a quick look initially, called The Flank Begins to Fray. And it was about, it was about uh, Turkey. Uh, I looked at Turkey, looked at the uh, uh, threats uh, it, it, it faced. And the flank, of course, was uh, NATO's flank. It, it was uh, a bad neighborhood. Well, well. Turkey's been in a bad neighborhood, one could say, uh, ever since there was a uh, Turkish uh, state. And the Turkish state, the Ottoman Empire, that uh, formed out of knocking off the, uh, finally knocking off the Byzantines. Um, Erdogan, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, uh, president of uh, Turkey, uh, leader of the Justice and Development Party, uh, the AKP. Uh, he ha- began, Dan, with uh, what uh, was called a neo-Ottomanist approach. Turkey was going to have its own initiatives uh, to the east. Of course, all that began uh, to blow up when uh, Arab Spring uh, erupted and uh, the huge mess on Turkey's southern border uh, became a well, a threat to Turkey's border, and what ultimately at first there was a wave of about four hundred thousand, and then over a million refugees uh, moving into the uh, into into Turkey or up to the border uh, and uh, seeking uh, seeking protection. Erdogan um, tried to get the United States to help him uh, respond to that. The government, President Obama, said that Bashar al-Assad had to go. Assad remains in power. So right there, and I'm, I'm coming at this from a little bit different angle, Turkey's got uh, uh, an issue that it many Turks believe that they did not get the support from the rest of NATO that they, that they needed. That's up, that's up for debate. But at the same time, the chaos in, in Syria is not up, uh, not up for debate. Uh, Turkey had a red line issue. Uh, this was one that predates the AKP and uh, Erdogan. The red line issue is no Kurdistan, no independent Kurdistan. Now, coming up on the 25th of this month, September 25th, is supposed to be an independence referendum in Iraqi Kurdistan, Kurdish regional government, KRG, uh, in, uh, in, in northern Iraq. Uh, that's to test the sentiment among uh, Kurds uh, living in Iraq for uh, an independent state. Of course, that has ramifications in southeastern Turkey, 
which is predominantly Kurd. Parts of it uh, certainly are Diyarbakir and uh, uh, is a city uh, city there, and then of course a slice of Kurds that live in Syria and Kurds that live in Iran. If it is indeed a Kurdish independent state as a red line, we are approaching the red line. Now, I'm not going to go and try to summarize the uh, Kurd war. We used to cover that in its own section uh, for, uh, Jim, we did that for, for almost 13, 14 years, I believe. It's now yes. rolled in, it's now rolled in with uh, Syria and, uh, uh, and Iraq. But we, there are all kinds of files in there, and they go into in-depth into Ankara-Turkey uh, relations, both with uh, their uh, Turkish Kurds and uh, Kurds in Iraq. Uh, Syrian Kurds developed as, uh, well, they were always an interest uh, of the, the, the Turks. They were perceived in some ways as, a, as a, an actor on behalf of the Assad regime. And now they've become something different, uh, more or less uh, an American ally, or at least uh, some, of the, some Kurds in Syria. Kurds in Iraq argue that they're American allies as well. So there is a confrontation between Turkey and the U.S. and Turkey, uh, some Turks nursing the belief that uh, they were not fully supported by NATO. And another step back. Turkey is a member of NATO. Uh, they have one of the most, uh, the, one of the largest armies uh, in NATO. I actually think in terms of Mantar, it's the second largest behind ours, but uh, modern and capable forces. They are an overwhelmingly Muslim uh, nation, and it's an overwhelmingly powerful, uh, predominantly Muslim uh, military establishment. It is at its core, or was, up until maybe arguably last year, Kemalist, based on uh, guidance and reformation of Kemal Ataturk, who established the uh, uh, secular Turkish Republic in uh, 1923. Uh, <clears throat> Erdogan and his Islamist party, I mentioned the AKP, just, uh, Justice and Development Party, uh, came to power proclaiming moderate Islamism or moderate, moderate democratic uh, Islam as their, as their in influence. To a degree, first eight to 10 years and uh, in, in power, it certainly looked that way. Now, what's happened, what began happening, uh, I'm gonna say, 2010, 2011, it's maybe may concurrent with, uh, with Arab Spring is a divergence between Erdogan's interests and those of many of his own uh, strong, moderate Muslim uh, uh, supporters. And since he decided that he wanted to uh, make the uh, presidency and uh, president, uh, become president and make it an extremely powerful position, attempting to change the, uh, 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 change the law and solidify power in the uh, presidency. There has been a rise in what is called Erdoganism, meaning an authoritarian strongman. And after the attempted coup of July last year, 
One of the things that's ongoing, we write about it all the time on strategy page. The purge continues. He's not only purged the individuals who were involved in that rather poorly organized and definitely poorly executed coup, uh, he's purged opponents throughout Turkey. And is on his way, I, he's to, it's wrong to follow the line that some in media do that he's imitating Putin. No, he's not. He's smarter than Putin in some ways about the way that he is, uh, 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 how to solidifying power. Now, that might be the, uh, that might be the uh, best way to put, uh, put it. He's also successfully preyed upon the uh, animus in Turkey towards, hey, we didn't get the support we needed vis-a-vis -vis Syria. And that in some way reflects the, well, at, at first it was dismay and then disenchantment, now animus, over failure to join the European Union. Uh, for decades, Turkey has been, for certainly for two decades, it's been on the quote-unquote cusp of being allowed to uh, join the EU or on a path to joining the EU. Uh, Turks perceive it as uh, animus coming from Western Europe. They're, they still hate, they hate us Muslims, quote unquote, is the way the, uh, uh, the Turks uh, perceive it. And that may well be part of the, uh, uh, part of the issue. At the same time, there's, there's uh, animus from Turks towards uh, <coughs> Central Europeans and some uh, Western Europeans. And it certainly doesn't look like joining the EU is anything uh, in the, the near term or midterm, and perhaps not in the, in, in the, long, in the long term either. So the issue with Turkey now, vis-a-vis -vis NATO, is how reliable is, is Turkey as a, uh, as, a, as a NATO ally? Uh, to the coup, they lost. Jim covers this all the time. The, the, the coup really, uh, the purge, I should say, really hit the Air Force hard because there was a lot of opposition to Erdogan in the, Air, in the Turkish Air Force. They're short pilots. And one of our uh, the U.S. response to some, some of uh, uh, the Erdogan's uh, uh, actions has been to... Uh, cut down on support. Uh, Jim had something about this recently, uh, training uh, in, uh, in, in, in Turkey. Um, we also, there was a very small but uh, pointed uh, decision not to sell some weapons to uh, Erdogan's bodyguard detail because of the ruckus that happened uh, uh, this year where the, uh, his bodyguard detail got into really a fight in the street uh, here in, uh, in, in the United States. Uh, Erdogan tried to use that as to say that the U.S. is, is, is against us. It didn't quite play out that way in, in, even in, in Turkish media and certainly didn't in, uh, in U.S. media. But it was uh, a point illustrative, and I'm, this is me uh, making, taking the incident to, to make a point illustrative of a, something that is characteristic of Erdogan uh, as a leader. And that is if he has to bully someone, he will attempt to do it. And he can, has a, the ability to uh, 
get away with it. And then he has the political smarts at some point to try to smooth it over. Uh, an example of this would be the uh, shoot down of the uh, Russian aircraft, uh, where the Turks have warned the Russians that uh, if they violate the border, they're gonna they're gonna shoot them down. <clears throat> they did, and then after a, a couple of weeks of uh, of threats between Russia and Turkey, uh, the uh, airlines government wrote a sort of very thoughtful letter of apology for the loss of the Russian pilot life, which is a clever way to handle it. They still made the point of shooting the plane down and then saying, we're sorry the fellow died. And the, the Russians were looking for a way to uh, uh, avoid a, a, a confrontation with the uh, Turks because of the, they're both in, deeply involved in Syria. Now that moves, going back to Syria, what is the relationship with Turkey? Uh, and Russia, because we, you, know, you read sometime in the mainstream media how Turkey and Russia are coordinating uh, in Syria. Well, they are, but the differences, uh, historical, uh, I used the word uh, animus earlier, but certainly applies to, to uh, Russian perceptions of Turks and Turks' perceptions of, uh, of Russians, and uh, interests in Central Asia as well as in uh, several of the uh, former uh, Soviet republics, uh, to include Georgia, Turkey and, and, and Russia have uh, a very divergent and even antagonistic interests. Same thing between Turkey and Iran, where there's talk of a rapprochement between Tehran and, and Ankara. Uh, where they agree is that, that they don't want an independent Kurdistan. It's a red line for the uh, Iranians uh, uh, as well. Uh, as well. Uh, but their disagreements are extremely large, including the Turks are very wary of Iranian acquisition of nuclear weapons, and with, uh, uh, for good reason. Now, here are the, here are the issues you know, over the next three or four years, things to watch, uh, watch. Is Erdogan going to create a permanent presidency in, uh, in Turkey? In other words, to completely destroy the, uh, uh, the Kemalist uh, democratic orientation in, in Turkey? That's up for grabs, but he certainly has uh, badly wounded uh, opposition. Uh, both the uh, Republican People's Party, which is the old Kemalist Party, and some of the other nationalist parties, and even the Kurdish, uh, uh, the, the Kurdish Party in, uh, in, in, Tur in Turkey. Uh, at the same time, do it by doing what he's done, he's solidified, or in, in, the, in the process of solidifying an opposition that is a very divergent and, and, and fragmented opposition. But... Uh, their movement is towards opposing Erdogan and then coming back to the term I used earlier, Erdoganism, a um, big man. It's his government. It's not the government of Turks. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Erdogan. Uh, secondly, I'll let Jim speak to this. Turkish military is good. They've lost a lot of their best, uh, best officers, both 
the uh, not directly of the purge, but they've been quitting over the last 10 to 15 years with the AKP uh, in power. Uh, some were investigated and jailed and then later released in uh, two major investigations, one the so-called Ergenicon, I think that's the way it's pronounced, and then another one with a, with a supposed coup d'etat plotted against uh, Erdogan that was uh, a very specious uh, allegation, but it ended up uh, even a former uh, <coughs> Turkish uh, chief of staff who was regarded as a superb officer by his fellow uh, NATO, by other NATO countries, was arrested. Uh, he was jailed and then he was ultimately released because there really wasn't any, any, uh, any uh, uh, evidence. But that was part of the way Erdogan was, uh, at that time, was solidifying his, his, his position. Now, there's this loss of, of uh, leadership, uh, military expertise, will it be, uh, could it be recovered? Sure. But it certainly has uh, uh, had uh, damaging effects in the, uh, in the Turkish uh, military. Um, does Erdogan, what does Erdogan want? This is Austin Bay's guess, but I've written about this. I really think he wants to be uh, seen as uh, Turkey's uh, greatest post-Ottoman leader. I think he's very jealous of Al Turk. I'm not the only one who thinks that. There are a lot of uh, Turkish journalists and uh, and uh, political analysts that uh, uh, believe that uh, as well. I don't think he's going to succeed, but he could destroy uh, or seriously damage. I think he's already seriously damaged the uh, secular state that uh, Ataturk uh, built. If he does that, then he damages the risks well, he's already damaged uh, uh, alliances, but he, he risks uh, isolating uh, uh, Turkey from uh, increasing its isolation. I guess the better way to put it is not going to be totally uh, isolated. Increasing its isolation from Western Europe uh, and uh, and North America, and then when it turns, Turkey turns and looks uh, to the Middle East or Near East. It really doesn't have any friends. Uh, there are, I, I'm giving you my version of it, but there are many Turks that, have, that fear that's where Erdogan is, uh, is leading them. And uh, that's not a good place to go for a country with as much power. And uh, it's not just military power, but economic power that Turkey has. So I'll leave it at that and let Jim start shooting at it. So, Jim, tell us uh, your thoughts about where we're at right now with Erdogan and Turkey and and just the whole mess over there. Well, the Turks, all right, the uh, the Turks were unique in that first they they uh, they were one of the uh, the major uh, groups, you know, political ethnic groups that uh, chose uh, Islam. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shopping for new religions. Uh, you know, a thousand or so years ago, and uh, and the different major religions uh, would often send you know their priests around to basically pitch you know the new customer, as it were. Um, when the when the Turks didn't go in, you know, uh, blind, they they knew what they were getting into. 
They knew that the Arabs were the ones who invented or, you know, were the origin, as it were, uh, of uh, Islam. Uh, and uh, they, uh, they, they basically adopted it because they felt, well, you know, uh, this could be to our, our benefit in many ways, not just spiritual. Um, and that is indeed what they did, much to the regret of the, um, of the, uh, the Arabs and everybody else they came into contact with, because the, uh, the Turks uh, uh, quickly realized that the problem with the um, uh, Islam is that there's no separation of, uh, you know, there's no separation of church and state. And to establish a, for an Islamic state to, uh, Muslim majority state to establish a, um, an empire, uh, they had to have some way to uh, keep the uh, the clergy out, because uh, at the same time that the, uh, the 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 Turks were getting into this Islam business, they noticed that there was a problem uh, with the Arabs, uh, in that uh, uh, there was a basically a, uh, a a a reaction, as it were, by Islamic scholars against all this introduction of new technology. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you when you hear uh, people talk about, well, it's the Arabs who gave us all the ancient technology and translate. Yes. But what is forgotten is that only happened for a few hundred years and then it stopped. And it in some ways you can say it went into reverse. Uh, they, they've basically done nothing uh, in general. You know, the, the Arabs with technology because of their, their religion problem. That is considered un-Islamic by uh, you know, religious leaders uh, who have the authority basically to declare jihad. We all know what jihad is now, um, and to uh, you know declare rulers, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know heretics, apostates, whatever, um, and uh, to basically you know uh, halt progress. The Turks were having none of that. They basically uh, were the one uh, Islamic state other than Iran that uh, continued to adopt technology. And they got around it by basically the sultan of, of the Turkey, the head of the Turkish Empire, the sultan. He basically said, well, now uh, I control the area where Mecca and Medina. These are the, the major uh, shrines for Islam where the, the, the annual um, Hajj or pilgrimage is held each year. And even from the beginning, that was a big money maker for whoever controlled it, because all those pilgrims coming in, they had the heat, they had, the, you know, they had needs, et cetera, and uh, and the, you know, and, and whichever, and uh, until the 1930s, it was whichever, you know, entity in our, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of, a, you know, an Arabian tribe, or for a long time, the Turks controlled it, basically controlled that, that basically that uh, that uh, that money train, as it were. Um, but they, the Turks didn't do it for the money, per se. They did it because it gave their sultan the uh, religious uh, authority that uh, was sadly lacking in Islam. Because Islam basically uh, nebulously said, you know, uh, anybody who accepts Islam, you know, accepts, you know, Allah as it's uh, yeah, their, their, their final authority in the Sharia law, which is religious law. And that was one of the great flaws in Islam. They never found a way to handle church and state. Christianity famously had in the scripture, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. And that was further clarified over the centuries and ultimately in the 17th century, where there were treaties, major treaties between the Protestant and the Roman Catholic uh, countries 
to basically take religion as much as it could be, that was a big deal back then, out of politics. And they were very successful, and that's one of the reasons why the Europeans at that point, they were, they were still in the midst, uh, just entering the Industrial Revolution. They had gone through the Renaissance, um, and, uh, and the Turks picked up on that. They said, hmm, these Europeans, you know, they've got something going there, and uh, how are we going to get the goodies, as it were, the new tech, uh, without basically uh, causing religious problems? Because even though the sultan was the, the caliph, of the, the Islamic caliphate, uh, he, you know, didn't take much to, uh, you know, in an empire like that, a multi-ethnic, uh, even with uh, uh, most of the subjects being Muslims, there were a lot of minorities. And so there were always rebellions, which had nothing to do, you know, with, with Islam. Um, and uh, so he very occasionally, you know, made deals, brought in the technology and what have you. And uh, the that gave rise to the movement which in the uh, late 19th century, the Young Turks, uh, which which Austin has written uh, books and um, articles about, the um, the uh, the reformers, and there's a banging again. It's, all right, the uh, the you know the the problem with the reforms were without a Turk, he separated church and state, you know, forcefully. Mainly because they, the Ottoman Empire had been defeated and dismembered by the Allies, so it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, but he did not suppress Islam. Uh, Islam was still there. And when I first encountered, you know, Turks, uh, you know, personally and professionally back in the '60s, uh, you know, these were college educated, you know. Uh, I, I got military officers, nuclear physicists, you name it. Very bright people. But and when I asked them about, hey, how's things going in Turkey? We'd sit down and we'd have chats and what have you. I quickly realized that there are two Turkeys. There was the Turkey of Istanbul, the old Constantinople, the you know the, the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire that lasted longer than the Western one did uh, for a thousand years after Rome fell. Um, and... Uh, the, the Turks were very conscious of what they had conquered as were what they had inherited. But they, the, you know, the ones who had, were coming from uh, multi-generate, you know, uh, wealthy families, educated families, families which had been sending their sons to universities since universities were invented, as it were. And as soon as the West invented a, a, a superior university, courtesy mainly of the Germans in the 19th century, uh, and uh, these popped up in America the uh, the Turks, the ones who could afford it, many could, uh, from Constantinople and what have you, they sent their children, their sons and some daughters uh, out there. But these kids were bicultural. They come to America, whether as a as a as a military officer getting additional training, uh, or as a uh, you know as a graduate student. What a lot of the ones I met, or on Wall Street uh, later. The, uh, and they uh, they basically you know pointed out, which I, I learned from everybody I spoke to, including Americans who had served in Turkey. There are two Turkeys. There were always two Turkeys. There was the country, the rural Turkey. Uh, that's where the Kurds lived as well. But that's one reason why the uh, the Turkish, the non-Kurdish Muslims out there were so fanatic about their faith, because it was one thing that separated them from the the alien Kurds. The Kurds were Indo-European. They're related to the Iranians and then Northern Indians and what have you, and of course the Europeans, Indo-European. Um, 
But the Turks are basically one of the – several distinct – there were three distinct Central Asian uh, groups that came out of the Eurasian plains after the Ice Age ended 12,000 years ago. The Indo-Europeans uh, you know, were the light-skinned ones, the, what we think of, the, of as Europeans. Then there were the, the Chinese, the Manchus, the, the ones uh, – the Huns, for example, they – they came uh, crashing into Europe, uh, you know, uh, it helped tear down what was left of the Roman Empire in the fourth and fifth century. But the, the the most powerful ones of all were the Turks, who were who were, who were who were Asiatic. They looked Asiatic. They looked like Mongols, or or the the northern northern Chinese. Uh, but they were a distinct group, distinct language, distinct cultures, and what have you. And uh, they, you know, even though they they were they, they were they were subordinate to the Mongols and to a certain extent to the Chinese, uh, you know, they knew how to they knew how to uh, wheel and deal, and the and the and the Ottomans and the Ottomans were the were the were the most uh, how should I put it dramatic example of that. Um, but you know, the the thing is, uh, uh, most of the Turks, not all of them, most of them adopted Islam. And they found that they had this curse, as it were. Uh, and uh, on top of that, the Ottoman Empire, what was left of it, the you know Anatolian Turkey, um, was still in a in a place which was uh, stuck between many major powers. The Ottoman Turks were always fighting the Russians. Once the Russians got rolling, you know, after the uh, the fourteenth century, fifteenth century, uh, they kept bumping into the Turks. Now, at first, the Turks beat the Russians. They held, they held their own. But bit by bit, the, again, the Russians were Western, even though they were, you know, they still had a religious system. You know, the Eastern Orthodox churches versus the Roman Catholic Church. They, there was still this enormous exchange of technology and culture and what have you. Uh, by the time the, uh, the the Russian imperial court had it and its aristocracy had adopted French as their language, that gives you a good idea of how much they adopted. You know, Western technology and and culture, um, the uh, the Turks, you know, were were getting the worst of it, uh, and at the same time, they had the Iranians, who had made a comeback. Now, at this point, the Arabs are no longer a problem because they were they were being ruled by the uh, the Turks for centuries, uh, but the Iranians were still there. Uh, they were not as much of a problem as they used to be. Again, in part because of the they they were Islam was forced on them, and and in in in, in how should I put it to deal with that, they adopted the Shia form, which was a which is a variant. I call it Protestant Islam, but you know, be that as it may, the uh, uh, the Iranians adopted it mainly to differentiate themselves, you know, from the. Uh, uh, Mainly from the Arabs, but also from the major, vast majority of uh, Muslims who adopted uh, various forms of, of uh, Sunni uh, Islam. Um, the Turks, for example, were and still are Sunni, although they they basically favored uh, they never favored things like Wahhabism. You know that the very strict uh, forms, very very uh, traditional as a traditional conservative forms of Islam. Again, that's because the Turks realized, you know the the way the book was written, literally the Quran, uh, uh, you know, uh, non-religious rulers. If you didn't use Sharia law, you had a lot of restrictions placed on you. And if you did have Sharia law, you still had restrictions. 
uh, because the Sharia law is, is by Western standards very backward. You can't you can't charge interest. Uh, you, you, there's a lot of problems with Sharia law, which anybody who's lived under it will will tell you at length. Um, plus, you, plus you, it's hard to get a drink. Um, the uh, but Turkey now, as they since they basically cut themselves off from the from the West by uh, Erdogan. Erdogan coming to power by basically exploiting that religious angle. The thing, you know, Ataturk and the and and his successors understood: do not mix religion and politics. You strictly keep, you know, the 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 Islam or any other religion out of it. Uh, and they learned they they relearned this lesson in the 1920s when when Ataturk and his his associates put put together the Turkish Turkish Republic. Uh, because they realized they had to deal with, they ended up expelling almost all the 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 the, uh, the, uh, the Christian uh, uh, Greeks. Uh, the, the Jews stayed, uh, and a lot of other you know uh, what do you call it uh, Christian groups were allowed to stay. But they they realized you cannot get you cannot get you cannot let the religion interfere with politics. You cannot allow it to get too involved with politics. And Erdogan basically broke that rule. He did basically what a lot of other rulers, politicians did after the Soviet Union fell apart. They used nationalism to form new countries or tear them apart. You saw this most famously in, in the Yugoslavia, which was basically torn apart by local you know, nationalists. Uh, and, of course, you're seeing it with, with the Kurds. They've been trying to form their own country you know, for centuries and and what's basically kept them apart is powerful empires uh, around them, and the fact that they were always separated into major major clans and what have you. They still are, and uh, the only reason they have an autonomous state in uh, northern Iraq is because they still have this humongous threat by the uh, the Shia Arabs who are the majority in the country. Uh, and and of course before before that uh, the, they had the Sunni minority were working for the, the Turks to basically you know run that part of the world. So Erdogan is basically, as Austin pointed out, he's basically cut off his major you know Western alliance allies, um, and by basically trying to get friendly with conservative and uh, you know Muslim countries um, and. Also, he basically alienated Israel. Israel, up until Erdogan came to power, was very close with the uh, the Turks economically, militarily, uh, you name it. Uh, Erdogan had, would, you know, gave that up. Uh, even though the army, the generals told him, "Hey, no, this is a valuable asset. They're the most powerful next to us. They're the most powerful military force in the region." But that didn't fit with his, you know, his divided rule uh, tactics. So basically, a lot of Turks, the the secular Turks, you know, the 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 you know the sons and daughters of Ataturk, as it were, they see Erdogan as the end of you know the uh, modern Turkey, and uh, and Erdogan realizes that, and basically that coup, you know, we keep writing about, wasn't really a coup; it was an excuse for him. To, as Austin pointed out early on, to purge all of his opponents, it, not actual, but mostly potential. 
So, you know, the military officers who are competent, that's no longer enough. You basically have to, A, be a good Muslim and swear allegiance to, you know, the, the neo-Caliph, the neo-Ottoman Empire. And a lot of, a lot of, as Austin pointed out, a lot of educated Turks aren't willing to do that. They don't want to leave Turkey. Uh, there's still a lot of wealthy, you know, educated families in Turkey who are basically running businesses. Um, but now it's all, you know, it's all up for grabs uh, because the, the, you know, the, the Turks basically have lost their their focus, as it were. Um, and this temporary alliance with Russia and and Iran. Uh, and even the Arab oil states, uh, who, who still all the only Arab states, you know, resent the Turks because the Turks were seen, even though they were Muslim, they were basically uh, they were basically non-Arab, and they basically walked all over the Arabs for centuries. Uh, even though the Turks put local Arabs in charge, when push came to shove, Turkish soldiers would come down, and their idea of pacification was to kill anybody who even looked like they were basically going to cause trouble. The Turks didn't like to do that because they knew that that left behind a lot of resentment that took generations to dissipate. Uh, but the threat of it, you know, was enough to basically uh, keep things going for a long time. But even to this day, the Arabs resent, you know, the haughtiness, the the arrogance, as it were. Of the Turks, the Turks. So Erdogan doesn't want to overcome that so so much as he wants to reassert the uh, the, the position of Turkey as a major economic and military power in the Islamic world. Uh, the 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 Gulf Arabs are willing to say, you know, we can go along with that if you know he'll help us against Iran. But right now, that is not working out so well because Erdogan and Russia are. In fact, uh, if not in spirit, they're allies of Iran. And, uh, and Russia, as, as we report in strategy page, Russia, and to a lesser extent Turkey, keep flopping back and forth on how much they'll support you know, Israeli threats or respect Israeli threats <laughs> that Israel says we're going to use military force uh, uh, against Iran if they try and set up another Hezbollah, you know, or basically t- take over Syria, which the Iranians are basically plan- planning to do. So uh, Erdogan is basically caught in a trap of his own devising, and there's no easy way out of it. Uh, he apparently will not, since he's changing the constitution to make himself, you know, a caliph as, or, you know, sultan, as a lot of Turks quietly say, because he's very harsh when it comes to criticism, uh, critics. Um, uh, it doesn't look good for Turkey. Uh, and, you know, again, it's, it's, it's out of Turk's worst nightmare, and here it is. And, and it's, it's bad enough to be living in it, but it's almost as bad living next to it, which is what the rest of the world is doing. Well, I think that's a pretty detailed uh, overview. So uh, we're going to leave it at that. We're out of time. Uh, Dan, let me make one comment off of what what, what Jim said. Okay. What Erdogan does that's different than some of these Islamists uh, of the past is that he came uh, in and it's the, it's the economic revitalization and, and even what would be uh, called uh, classic uh, more free market uh, type policies, which has paid off economically for Turkey over the last uh, 10 uh, to 12 years. And that, uh, but that's in line with what uh, Jim said, he wanted Turkey to be, Erdogan wants Turkey to become a major military and economic 
power. But uh, that that's different than some of the other Islamists coming to power who, who are really uh, start practicing, you know, state-led uh, e- economics. So I'm just I'm just mentioning that to reinforce Jim's point. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll talk to you, gentlemen, next time. Indeed. Take All right. Care. Bye. Hey,